You're about to listen to an episode of Legally Fonds. This episode is brought to you in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter, pre-recorded workshops are also available and courses commence every year in June and November. Register anytime at lawschool.ie and for a 10% discount on any course, just use the discount code LEGALLYFOND. In this episode of Legally Fond, it's a case of David versus Goliath, Supermac versus Big Mac. And when you see sports shorts with three stripes down the side, do you think Adidas or O'Neill's? Pierce isn't too convinced by one of the judges. It is very easy for Henchy to say that from his big Supreme Court bench. He's probably never bought a pair of tracksuits in his life, okay? This is Season 2, Episode 3 of Legally Fonts. In this episode, we're discussing two cases. They're both involving Irish businesses and both involving intellectual property disputes. What is intellectual property? Well, it's intangible property, which is the result of some kind of creativity. And there's a few ways you can protect it in law. You might be familiar with the term trademark. Trademarks are typically used to protect brand names or logos. Copyrights are typically used to protect musical, literary, artistic works. And patents are typically used to protect pharmaceuticals. More on that later, though. Before we get started, Pierce, as the token culture, you might be able to fill listeners in on what is Supermax and what does it represent? It's a rural fast food institution. And I think it is the staple venue for a post-GAA match, quick bite to eat. If you're stopping on the way up to Galway, you pop in, you know, you can get you can get a, a fine, fine feed there. Yeah, it's a destination within itself. It's not the destination that matters. It's the snack box you have in Supermax. It's all that sort of stuff. So uh, Supermax was thinking of expanding into Europe to give the, the lucky Europeans a taste of their fare. But McDonald's didn't want that to happen. Because Supermax sounds a bit like Big Mac, apparently, mm. a bit too much like Big Mac. So this is what led to the case that we have here today. And Supermax was none too plus and retaliated and tried to have a go at McDonald's. Um, Pierce, what, what happened? In the initial actions that went before the courts, um, McDonald's did pretty well, as you would imagine, for a big multinational faceless corporation with a huge legal team behind them. And they succeeded in putting a stop the Supermax expansion plans and um, on the basis of name similarity, uh, the argument you just put forward there. It's interesting if you look at how McDonald's operates because they've trademarked quite a lot of things that have Mac in front of them, such as Mac Internet, Mac Country, which su- suggests a lot of kind of very expansionist <laughs> ideas of their own. <laughs> their foreign um, policy of McDonald's. Yeah, they even trademarked Snackbox, which I'm sure... Everybody who's been to McDonald's knows that is not an item on the menu. Mm. But those of us who have patronized Supermax would be well aware of their probably most seminal of of, of um, delicacies. Basically, this case ended up in front of the European Union Intellectual Property Office. And they delivered a landmark judgment falling on the side of Supermax. And they said McDonald's didn't prove genuine use of the contested trademark as a burger or a restaurant name. So basically they weren't allowed to say that Mac is so critical to the operation 
of their identity, their business, um, that Supermax couldn't use it. Um, which is, you know, it's kind of nice to see a small business, well, relatively speaking, uh, do do well in, in, in front of it's a, a, any It's a real David versus Goliath Absolutely. story, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I suppose will we delve into what exactly went Let's go through beneath, the court's Let's mind? open up the snack box. <laughs> So intellectual property, as we mentioned, is to do with ideas and creativity and not physical things. Physical things like land and objects are what we call real property. I mean, there's so many interesting cases on that and not to go too deeply into it. For example, there was a photographer. Uh, it's like the ape selfie or something. Uh, this oh, this yes. guy, he was out um, photographing apes and or a chimp. I'm not sure. Basically, the chimp got a hold of his camera, took a selfie with it and then your man tried to claim copyright on that. But because he didn't take the photo, it was an animal, he put no effort into the production of it. So the animal owns the photo? No, because an animal isn't entitled to own copyright rights. So this is all about intellectual property and about trademarks. Who owns Mac MC? Well, Alex, you raised a great point there. I mean, that's part of your name. That's part of your identity. I think didn't... Jay-Z and Beyonce, um, they copyrighted their baby's name, Blue Ivy. Certainly Beyonce was trying to do it. I'm, I'm not sure if she succeeded in doing it in the end. Does the child own that name or do they own that name? Presumably the parents. They, if they registered us, mm. probably. But this is the thing, having someone else own a part Pardon. of your identity. If, she, if Blue Ivy grows up and she falls out with her parents, but they own her name, I mean, that'd be awkward. Well, that happens with all those child stars as well, isn't it? Yeah, child yeah. stars don't turn out too well. No, yeah. they don't. They don't. Say, like, that's why we're all saving our fame until our 20s or 30s. We, we didn't want to peak too soon. Anyway, back to Supermax. So the idea is, in, in EU trademark law, that you have to have a genuine use for any trademarks you have. Presumably this means this is to prevent people from hoarding trademarks and gathering these up. Because if you've got ownership of them, you can charge people to use them so they become an asset effectively so supermax was saying that mcdonald's was not genuinely using the trademark mc or mac because they were trademarking lots of things as you said they had mac i think mac croissant was the the name of one of their trademarks they had these mac various internet ones. mac country as, we, as we've mentioned yeah and, and and they were basically saying well these are just na- words you've trademarked but you don't have any products that go with the words. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about this? In a free market, should we all be allowed buy up trademarks? And are they just assets? I guess language is technically a finite resource. Just like land. You can't just kind of, like, this is adverse possession. You can't hoard land and do nothing with it. But you well, can make up I new mean, words. Uh, yeah, because language is constantly changing. I mean, there, there are words we no longer use. It's it's an evolving kind of organic thing. I, I, I'd struggle pet, to say like, it's as a finite in, but resource. Patents expire. Certainly. So, as in, you know, the reason that we have generic drugs as well as branded drugs is because mm. those patents expired, and then you can. But but it's like it's like during I think the um like the early two thousands when email was becoming a thing and getting more mainstream. A lot of people registered what they deemed to be cool email addresses to sell them on later, and that yeah. was and domain names. Domain well. names. Yeah. Okay, there's a few interesting domain names that have sold for. Quite a lot of money. Hotels.com sold for $11 million in 2001. The Voice.com was the most expensive, and that was in 2019, and it was $30 million. 
funnily enough, legallyfun.com only cost us 10 euros. Yeah. I think at most. So I wonder why. I wonder why. So they said in course that the prefix MC or Mac has a low level of distinctiveness because when you go into McDonald's, you don't typically see MC on its own. It's usually just paired with something else. It's McDonald's, it's McFlurry, McNuggets. Obviously, there's a spelling difference there, but also Apple, of course, famously markets its um, Macintosh computers as iMacs. There's a jacket, yeah, the points. Mac, the Macintosh. Um, so presumably it's, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, isn't there a good argument to say that they're completely different products? Like, Supermax is competing within the same industry as McDonald's is. So if you're registering a trademark in the EU, you don't register it outright for everything. You register it in one of a number of categories. For instance, McDonald's had trademarked Mac in the category of biscuits, bread, cakes, cookies, chocolate, coffee. Edible sandwiches for food prepared from meat, poultry, uh, Sorry, fish. edible sandwiches uh, as <laughs> opposed to inedible sandwiches. What, what so business model food, operates on inedible sandwiches? Some of the food coming out of there probably is inedible. Yeah, like. debatable. But I mean, surely your business model isn't centred around we're going to be the best damn inedible <laughs> sandwich producers in this game. <laughs> How come you're not on the McDonald's menu? And a Mac Alex. A Mac Alex. I mean, yeah. You're a saver, I'd say, for a <laughs> What would you be? What would, if you were a menu item on Ma- McDonald's, what would you be a burger? Would you be, You'd be the Kevin, we've known fish. each other, like, sure, sorry, really? we've known each other for like four well, years. You don't need to do these kind of be... icebreakers. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a snack right, Will box. we move on to the... Oh, I'd just be a snack. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if you had to take a side in this case, whose side are you on? I'm on Supermax side. I mean, it's it's just, it's, it's a mammoth task facing up to these guys. And like you say, they were aggressively trademarking anything that came close to being a potential product. I mean, I, I think there should be some kind of investigation into what areas you plan to expand your business into. I mean, Mac Internet is surely, I hope to God, fairly far down the line in, in, in long-term expansion plans for McDonald's. I guess this is one of the pros of the European Union. Because the European Union is a supranational organisation... It is able to actually effectively tackle a very, very large multinational company, whereas yeah. you know individual states often aren't or are just unwilling to. Like as you said, like you know where McDonald's going next with Mac Internet? Mm. You know, I don't or think. Mac Country, most concerningly. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they what they're the, just planning to invade some part UN of rural Galway. That. Yeah, they're going to be on the sanctions list. So here's what the court found. McDonald's did not prove genuine use of its trademarks in certain categories of products. Categories including biscuits and bread and cakes. The category including non-alcoholic beverages and the category of restaurant services. However, it retained its trademarks in the chicken nuggets and edible sandwich categories. So the Big Mac and chicken mac nuggets are not going anywhere. Before we move on to our second case, I want to ask you a question. If you see a pair of sports shorts or tracksuits with a three-stripe design down the side, which brand do you think they're from? Well, this was the subject of a high-profile legal battle in the 1980s, where Germany's Adidas claimed that this stripe design was exclusive to its brand, while Irish GAA favourite O'Neill's sought to defend its use of stripes. This case happened in 1982, so quite amusingly, or interestingly, at the time Adidas was a West German-based firm. So Mm. they went through the Irish courts, initially taking action in the High Court, failing. 
appealing to the Supreme Court and failing again with a majority judgment of two versus one. Our good friend Henchy almost as always dissenting on the matter. <laughs> Kel surprise. Yep. It's a pretty, obviously a pretty important issue. If you're a clothing manufacturer and the key distinguishing feature of your clothing is the three stripes on the side of it, you'll fight tooth and nail to stop another brand having a, a similarity or likeness. I remember that. this is before the three stripes was really popular, like before normal people kind of, that obviously <laughs> makes a difference. Mm. Yeah. Big time. But the thing they argued was, and I think this is quite interesting, was that they weren't necessarily claiming just ownership over the three stripe design, but they were saying that O'Neill's was deliberately affecting this fashion, this distinctively Adidas design pattern in order to pass itself off as Adidas and, and essentially chip away at their market base. So what's happening in this case is not a claim for infringement of trademark. It's not Adidas saying to O'Neill's that you are stealing our trademark. It's Adidas claiming that O'Neill's is passing off their goods as being from Adidas. This involves the use of another firm's get-up and creates confusion in the marketplace. 50 people, according to the dissent from Justice Henshi, 50 people had gone back to one of the marketers or distributors of Adidas in Ireland, had rung them up and said, I bought these, I swore they were Adidas when I bought them. Turns out they're O'Neill's, give me my money back. They had witnesses to say that, who felt they had been deceived. The court found that there is no protection for a company like Adidas if another trader is attracted by the popularity of that design, the the market, the, the market, the market yeah. attached to that design, or indeed its success. Because obviously Adidas, you know, they, they were the crowd that made the three stripe design popular. O'Neill's were perfectly entitled to copy or imitate that as they pleased. Henshi dissented, saying that basically O'Neill's exploited the goodwill of Adidas and deceptively diverted the market base of Adidas towards themselves, which is quite strong language, don't you think? He also talked about the torse of passing off. A torse, which we've probably mentioned before on Legally Fond, is a civil wrong. There's loads of different types of torts, like defamation, nuisance, trespass, to name but a few. And the expression passing off in this context refers to making customers believe that the O'Neill's shorts were in fact Adidas. That O'Neill's was intentionally misleading customers as to the provenance or brand of the shorts. I don't know. When I look at the O'Neill's GA shorts, that's, you know, with, with, with the stripes down the side, like you say, popularized big time by normal people, that jumps out at me immediately as like the county footballing. Gash, gash yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The court said it had to establish that the three stripe design was clearly associated with the Adidas products among the public, so much so that they had exclusive association in their minds that when they saw three stripes, they knew it was Adidas. And a lot of witnesses who were Gaelic players, there was a TV commentator at the time was dragged in and he said he had seen in, in the Olympics a couple of years prior, all the teams came out wearing three striped shorts. He was asked, did you think they were Adidas? And he says, yes, I thought they were Adidas. But just because I three stri- I see three stripes doesn't necessarily mean I think they're Adidas. Which is kind of a vague legal great, answer. Great, great Irish answer yeah. to uh, to a <laughs> You've legal question. You've led me in a circle. Yeah, but so, I know I know what he means in a bizarre way because I think there's more to it that 
suggest something something else. I mean, it's contextual. Uh, if you see someone in your local part of rural Ireland walking down the street wearing shorts with three stripes, they're probably most likely going to be O'Neill's shorts. If you turn on the Olympics and you see a German athlete uh, running in shorts with three stripes, they're most likely going to be Adidas and not O'Neill's in your mind, surely. Yes, absolutely. That said, when I was in Germany, they did sell O'Neill's socks in with some... three stripes. Not with three stripes, no, but they sold... Like, like rugby of, socks kind of uh, high up to No, the, no, they were just, you know, the kind of now fashionable just calf slicers. Calf slicers, thank you. Oh, is that the word? That's the word I know, isn't it? Oh right. I like it. I, I yeah, like it. I'd never yeah. heard of that before. Great word. Copyright that while you're at us. Um but yeah, so they were knocking around the place. But yeah, I think like you say, it depends. Like if you see the West German Olympic team come out, you're not gonna say the West German. <laughs> they bought them in Kilty Ma. Yeah. yeah exactly. Can we bring it back into twenty twenty? <laughs> Well, at the time, yeah, yeah, we're back in the twenty. Okay, yeah. So the the Yugoslavian Olympic team comes out. Now they <laughs> might be in O'Neill's. I think the descent is pretty interesting uh, because old Henchy, old Henchy, he he starts off and he says. Adidas advertise themselves as the brand with the three stripes, and that's a quote. And he says, when you see three stripes, you know th- this is a piece of clothing. From and Adidas. They, they presented advertising work from like a wealth of it from, from years and years and literally every ad featured the three stripes at sure. some point. Sure. So he says it's definitely a case of passing off. But what was interesting was the kind of the time span here. So it was in the mid-1960s that O'Neill started putting stripes on their clothes. They didn't put three stripes necessarily. They sometimes had one or two. And Adidas weren't in Ireland until the late 1970s at which point O'Neill's had really established a reputation for itself. So if the test is uh, about people's knowledge, awareness, and association of the three stripes with a particular brand, it's important, particularly in 1970s Ireland, when... There wasn't probably a... wasn't that much of a range. Exactly, and it wasn't a globalised world where you could hop on ASOS and, and buy brands. There was brands. no internet, could you There imagine? was no internet. Or no, dial-up. I remember my mum was telling me about dial-up was... But there wasn't dial-up in the 70s and 80s. There wasn't When was the internet? In the 90s. The 80s. Oh, but right. I mean, widespread, I think. Uh, dial-up is when you can't 90s. be on the phone and the computer, you get that horrible you get the sound? screeching you know the noise. Sound? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. That's what you sounded like when we were recording in Germany. Henshi has this idea that people were being deceived, that people were going to shops and they were seeing a rack of clothes with three stripes down the side and they were picking them up, buying them. And it's only when they got home that they realized that what they bought was not well, Adidas. Look, this is caveat I mean, emptor. Well, well, the thing is, is as well, look, I mean, it's very consumers. easy. It is very easy for Henchy to say that from his big Supreme Court bench. He's probably never bought a pair of tracksuits in his life. OK, and I think the <laughs> reality, the, 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 the reality of the situation is, I think he's a very low assumption of the intelligence of Irish people or indeed people who are consumers or wearers of sportswear as to say, Jesus, these fellas are going in. They say three stripes a light bulb flicks on their head and they think, Adidas, you know? Mm. I, I think that's very, very unfair. There are plenty of... Look, if I see a white shirt, I don't think there's only one company that manufactures white shirts and I automatically assume it's them based based on that. The white shirt company. You know, it's, 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 I, I think it's, it's, it's a ridiculous standard to apply across it. And particularly now, I mean, so, so many, you know, trends come and go and they maybe adapted and changed and... 
stuff like that. For example, the Hawaiian shirt. There, no, nobody has a monopoly on the Hawaiian shirt. And if, if I buy one Hawaiian shirt from, from H&M thereafter, if I ever see a Hawaiian shirt, do I assume that shirt is from H&M? No, I don't, Henshi. I, mean, I don't know, because you're the one wearing the check shirt today, and every, every other time I've seen Gavin, he's always wearing the check shirt. And he gets them from H&M. My, mine is not from H&M. Presumably you didn't assume that it was just because it's a Czech shirt. This is the thing about fashion, that there are fashion trends and multiple brands will make marginally different types of essentially the same style of clothing. Whether it's, I don't know, what's in fashion at the moment? Cords. Cords are back. Are they? Yep. What kind of shoes are fashionable? Docs. Doc Martens. Oh yeah. There was a big thing about that, of course. Tim's. Timberlands. Timberlands, yes. Yep. And you always see shoes. I mean, there's plenty of boots out there. You can go into Pennies and you can buy a pair of boots that are not too dissimilar from Doc Martens. I have a pair of boots that are not too dissimilar. Think from Adidas's perspective, they've invested a lot of money, I would imagine, in developing their own clothes, their their own sure fashion so, styles. So have O'Neill's. <laughs> yes. But just because they, they're bigger doesn't necessarily mean they owe... Like, as in... Like, well, it's based on the the association that people have because you have to establish. But that isn't in a sense. Does that, the person have um, which? But it had to be exclusive association. That, if I'm not mistaken, which is a very high threshold. That, yeah. Disadvantages small business, basically, and small businesses. And isn't this whole just essentially's descent so anti-competitive? That you you can have one design on if you're a clothes manufacturer you can have one type of design on your I'd clothes. It's a and Soviet decision, so- is what it is. You have one place to manufacture striped tracksuits and the other place to manufacture non-striped tracksuits. Do you think this case would have been decided differently today? We've got a globalized world where you can buy from brands that don't have any physical. Well, I mean, it, it depends. I mean, like if if you're saying that, are you saying that Adidas up until this point wouldn't have touched the Irish market, and now that they're but- coming in, I mean. They didn't sell into the Irish market until the, No, but if the you're saying 70s. that this was delayed until 2020 or something. Yeah, for a brand that doesn't sell in Ireland at the moment, because it's a globalised world, we can buy stuff online or we, we're exposed well, to Well, I brands. think the nature of a globalised world means that now nobody or no company enjoys exclusive association with something. I mean, it's, it's probably very few and far between. And those that do are... I imagine massive. Perhaps if you like, if you took the apple with the bite out of it, you know what company that represents. So we spent a lot of time talking about what Judge Henshi had to say, but his opinion and his judgment was just a dissent. It didn't form part of the court's majority opinion. So Adidas didn't succeed in this case. Chief Justice O'Higgins gave the main judgment. He was satisfied with the finding of the trial judge in the High Court, who found that there was no exclusive association between the three-stripe design and Adidas. That using stripes in different colours and different numbers on sports gear was merely a fashion trend which O'Neill's had adopted, and that in doing so O'Neill's was not trying to pass off their goods as being from Adidas. And he assumed that customers will look fairly at any goods they buy, and will be able to deduce the brands in that process. So the O'Neill's stripes live on today, and stronger than ever, I guess, after Paul Meskell's wearing of them in Normal People. That's it for episode 3 of season 2 of Legally Fond. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review, and tell a friend. (laughs) 